you're listening to Halloween The Definitive Companion with your host, my good friend Daniel Krupa and me, Gav Murphy. Today we're reunited with Michael who's on his way back to Haddonfield to pay a visit to his niece. Okay, Daniel, what is the premise of Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers? Michael Myers didn't die in a fire. Instead, he's been in a coma for the last seven years, and while being transferred back to Smith Grove, he discovers he has a niece. So he's on his way back to Haddonfield. What you say, hadn't died in the fire. What you mean is, didn't die in a massive explosion. They keep saying fire. I saw that film. It was a fucking explosion. Part of you could have gone, <laughs> oh, it's just Michael Myers. He can't be killed. Also, Sam Loomis also survived. Yeah. So Loomis is like, oh, he can't be killed. I've shot him. I've blown him up. Hang on, mate. You got blown up as well. Yeah. yeah. Evil. So, so how does it connect to previous films? <laughs> oh, it really wants to connect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's. it's called The Return of Michael Myers. So all that stuff that we talked about, you know, we, we were big fans of Halloween 3. All that stuff we talked about in the bad promotion of it, where they were just like, they didn't tell people that Michael Myers wasn't going away. In this one, they're like, he's, he's, back. he's back. He's back, all right? He's re- returning. Yeah. It's almost that makes him sound heroic. Yeah. It's not, because later on they use like the revenge. Yeah. He's, he's back. It's like Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. The return. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? Return of the Mac, Return of the Jedi, mm. Return of Michael Myers. The big three. For, for me, like one of the weirdest scenes in all of this is the really strangely tender scene with Loomis and Michael in the diner where he's like pleading with him going, I knew this day would come. Don't go to Haddonfield. If you want another victim, take me. But leave those people in peace. Please. Michael. He's already had two victims in this place, mate. So it's not like he's looking for a, ve- you know, he's just, oh, I'll have a victim. Yeah. You know what? That, that's kind of sad because it's almost Loomis thinking he's a bigger dude to Michael than he actually is. Michael's like, like, yeah. He's like, I don't give a shit. If I wanted to kill you, I would have killed you ages yeah, ago, yeah. mate. That bit is really strange as well because he shoots and then Michael's not there. So again, just like we talked about in the first film. Is he just running away really quickly? But that's the thing. In my head, I was like, oh, he's not there. And Loomis is going around the bend. Because that is seeded a little bit by Dr. Hoffman, where he's like, you're the one that needs mental help, actually, Loomis. Mm. And I thought maybe that was going to be a bigger thing there. But actually, then he drives a massive truck through the side of a fucking garage. So it's like, he's probably real. I think that's going to be the trajectory of the next few films is... Loomis becoming more and mm. more unstable. And I know we've taken the piss out of him in previous episodes. Yeah. In the first one, he looks like Sigmund Freud. Yeah, yeah. In comparison, where he becomes so reliable and so crazed and so manic mm. that why would anyone ever believe Loomis? Really? That's the, that's the thing, but isn't it? But in terms of connecting, it does its best to try and go back to what Carpenter did. And I know all the producers know they fucked up with three. Yeah. And so much so when they announced this film, I sent you this, they did this promotional poster where Michael Myers was replying to a Halloween party invite that he'd been sent. Yeah. So there's this poster they mocked up to announce that Halloween 4 was being made. Because it'd mm. been a bit of a gap since he last saw Michael Myers, you know, yeah. six, seven years. So they did this promotional poster where he's like, I will be coming to your Halloween party, scrolled. <laughs> love, he didn't say love, but Michael Myers. Yeah. Michael Myers spelled incorrectly as well. Yeah. And that bot bananas. And then like, it's like kids Myers. writing yeah. as well. I guess he would like... have ki- Is he writing much? Well, again, what's like, his pensmanship like? But that's the thing. Does he have to go to school? Do they have to teach him even though he won't be taught? 
So some things going in, but if you're not actually physically practicing writing, you're not. You, well, you what's can't your just handwriting do it. like these days? Because you don't my, write that much. My handwriting has always been disgusting, so I've always written in capital letters. Because you, you don't have to write a lot now, so I always write in capital letters. Ever, and people, you, it looks like an insane person writing in shit on a wall. That's what my handwriting looks like. like. Michael it's Myers so replying bad. to a Halloween party. It looks like Michael Myers. Also, who's inviting Michael yeah. Myers to a Halloween party? Yeah, <laughs> Sam Loomis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get him. Like Loomis, you're not. You've got. You've got off the rails, now, mate. But I think it tries in part to be a bit classier because mm. I think it's important to. You might try that, yeah. Because I think it's important to contextualize this film. In it came in 1988, mm. and since Halloween two, which was the last time we saw um, Michael, yeah, what's happened? Nightmare on Elm Street has become massive. Yeah. Jason, Friday the 13th has become massive. Mm. And whatever you think of those films, I really like them, but they are different than the first Halloween. Yeah, it's a mass killer, but there's a lot of gore and there's a lot of spectacular kills. Yeah. Whereas Halloween was quite classy in comparison. This tries like do a bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? And I, I, I do, I think there is a, it's definitely a sense of like having your cake and eat it because I do think maybe that the first Halloween was a little bit classier than other films in, you know, those series. But then at the same time, first Friday 13th is, you know, a different thing as well. But I think with this, in some aspects, I do I do definitely agree, but then it's that the kills are so wildly elaborate now, I think. But some are, and some um, aren't. There's loads happening off screen again. The off screen thing And I think there's really almost a tension between the people working on the film because this apparently Mustafa Akkad was like, you've got to do it the way Carpenter did it. You've got to right. keep it bloodless. Whereas some people are like, We've got to compete, which is something even Carpenter recognized when they were making Halloween 2. Like, yeah. We've got to compete with these because people have like a bit of a taste for this stuff now. Yeah. So you've got the really spectacular kill of the person transferring him where he bores his thumb into his skull. But then you've got ones that are just happening off screen again. Yeah, really strange tableau uh, like things that he's setting up. Which like I, the I, deputy I, sheriff. Yeah. We'll get on to kills later. But that, yeah. that is a tension running through this film. And I think a lot of Halloween films to come is... Oh, have you seen mm. have you seen what Jason's doing? Have you seen what Freddy's doing? Yeah. But are we losing our massive point of difference here? Yeah, well, I guess maybe that's a, a sense of back then. Whereas now, if you go, I know what an Ari Aster film is, and I know what a James Wan film is, and I know that those films are going to be a little bit different. The experience of going to watch those films, even though they're, you know, they're horror films, they are going to be slightly different, right? And I can, and maybe audiences do know that. I don't know. I think some. I think... W- Film fans know it. Yeah. I think general audiences just watch films. When I went to watch Hereditary, and I do think that is generally a really good horror film. But when I went to watch that, I went to watch it on a Saturday night. And I do think the Saturday night audience at the cinema that I went to watch it in were up for a laugh and they were up for just being scared because... Which is more your insidious or conjuring. That's what I think. And it, it isn't that at all. There are some bits in it like that, and there are some sort of really off-the-wall bits in Hereditary, but you could tell, like, anytime those bits happened, the people who were laughing and going, mm. they were going a little bit too much with it, because I think that's what they were, they were, they like were there for it. It's crowd-pleasing horror, yeah. which is almost like Grand Guignol, like, you're going to get your blood and your gore, and yeah. you're going to come out and you go, oh, I feel good because I've released a load of tension. And then you've got on the other spectrum, you've got Hereditary, Halloween, Shining. Yeah. It's going to be genuinely unsettling. Yeah. And you're going to walk away on edge. Mm. <laughs> one of them is a better Saturday night. For me, it's the latter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I was actually thinking about The Shining when I was watching this because I was thinking about it in that terms of being like, because I didn't enjoy watching this film, really. And in my head, I was like, what would you rather be watching? And I was like, oh man, I haven't watched The Shining for ages. And then, because we've just been at a wedding where we stayed at a quite an old 
beautiful hotel, mm. sort of cottage inn sort of thing. But The Shining has completely wrecked hotels like that for me or completely changed my thought of it because I was walking around those halls, like shitting myself up on purpose, like scaring myself. Mm. And I walked around on Friday night, went for dinner and then Clara and I went to bed and we walked around the hotel, like basically all of the hotel at night. And I was, I was like, I want to be scared by this. I want to like go, you know, stand at the end of mm. one really long corridor and just oh, look I down up now, and so pretend there was stuff. Oh my God, I would shout myself though. Um, and I think that that is a really interesting w- thing that The Shine has done. Where, uh, that Those kind of films do. They kind of change your perception of something and scare you in a way that will stay with you for years. Whereas obviously this is a very different thing, I think. Yeah, I think the classiest thing about this film is the opening credits. Oh my God, so good. They're really good. Yeah. I, I know previously we've always had a pumpkin and in the third one we had a digital pumpkin. Yeah. This one, he really digs into all these autumnal... Halloween Harvest, festival imagery. Yeah. So you've got like scythes and farms and wheat mm. and it's really classy. I thought it was brilliant. That's the yeah. scariest part of the film. And then, <laughs> that's your category. Yeah. Opening. But then I think the rest of this film, when I was watching it, almost made me think of Force Awakens. Mm. Is in how much do you do something new? Right. How much okay, do you do yeah, the yeah. same thing again? Because yeah. he escapes from an asylum yep. in the first act. Yeah. He goes to a garage, he steals some overalls. Yeah. He goes to a hardware store, steals a mask. Yeah. And then he terrorizes a group of people. Within that, there is new stuff. Mm. And I think that's the hard thing we were talking about any serialized or franchise film is people want a good deal of the old stuff. Mm. But for it to continue and justify its existence, you got to do something new. Of course, yeah. So it's like really threading that line. So I think it, it knows it's been away for like eight years. It's almost it's tense since the original film. Yeah. It tries to give you a big dollop of things from the original. Yeah. And I guess like that is a really hard thing with Haddon, with, with Haddonfield and with Halloween because it's set in a town mm. where it's something like Friday 13th because it's set at Camp Crystal Lake. There's a reason that, that, that we're going back there. There's a reason that he's there and there's a reason why all the characters have changed. Mm. So you can do the same thing, but you can do it differently. And, you know, you sit down to write that and you go, right, what other things did you do at camp? What other activities did you do? How can we turn that into a murder? Freddy, very tight motive for killing these kids. Yeah. They're all the kids of the parents that killed him. Yeah. He's, he's methodical. He's just like taking them off. Yeah. <laughs> Where's this? Michael. What are you doing? Now in the second one, we've established that he's just killing his family. What you so you've now got to have like new family members yeah. that keep appearing. So this is, yeah, this is what I want to ask because I, I I'm not clear, man. Is Laurie dead? Laurie's dead. Laurie's dead. Laurie, right. unbeknownst to us, in the last 10 years or so, died. Had a kid. Yeah. And died. Mm. And she's now being looked after the Carruthers family. Yeah. Their child, Rachel, was also babysat by Laurie. When That's she right. Was yeah, yeah. So it's almost she's become the new Laurie in a sense. I'm being funny. That Rachel girl, just say you're a sister. Do you love me, Rachel? <sighs> Serious questions tonight. Of course, I love you. Like a sister? Jamie, sometimes. Like a real sister? We're not really sisters, Jamie. But that doesn't mean that I love you any less. That mad scene at the beginning, she was like, oh, I'm not so really. Cruel. Just say you're a fucking sister, you dickhead. Little girl crying her eyes out. Are you my real sister? Not really. No. Um, what? No, it's kind of, it's kind of stepsister <laughs> kind of relationship, but. You're an acquaintance. You're an acquaintance. It, um, it, when we are in front of other people, do not say you're my sister. Yeah. If a 
car was coming towards you, I would think about like chucking you out of the way. But I mean, I might not. I don't know. Depends how far away. Why not just say you're yeah, a sister? It's, it's a weird misstep because at other times... I know that's obviously for us, to be fair. But yeah. Like, but other times she's she's pretty loyal to her and protective. Absolutely. Except when she can't go shag her boyfriend. Mm. So you about that? Then. Absolutely gutted, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, because you know Kelly would be right. Yeah, yeah straight, straight in. Straight in. Proper Hollyoaks love triangle. I this. love that. Kelly's um, great. So Laurie's dead. So presumably then Jamie Lee Curtis was not interested in coming back for this. No, I think by this point, I think it was said that she'd gone off to do bigger and better things. Right, okay. So she'd, she'd taken off. She was a major star at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they'd had a decent story, maybe, a, you know, a decent idea yeah, well, for Luke's it. Back, but he's there for the bunts, isn't he? Of course, he? yeah, he's not getting much, is he? I think what you see in this film, and we're going to discuss the fallout of this film in mm. the next episode, is they're definitely trying to set it up for what's next. Yeah. So they've at least thought, you know, this was written by three guys who'd never even seen Halloween, and they put out an open call for a competition. Wow. That's uh, awesome. I think there was an impending writer strike, so they just got it in quick. And That's right, competition. yeah. They wrote it in 11 days. Yeah. Because the original concept was um, about Michael Myers almost coming back as a ghost, and Carpenter was really into mm. it. And Mustafa Akka was like, nah, we're not doing this again, John. No, no, no. And I think by the time this film was made, Carpenter just went, buy me out. Yeah. I don't want to be making the same anymore. film yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah. So this is why we've got this. But... To his credit, I think it is trying to lay down some foundations for mm. something to come. I, also, I don't think it's, even though I didn't enjoy watching it, I don't think it's completely without merit either. I think there are some stuff in it. I think it's fun to talk about. It's really fun to talk about, but also I just really like Michael Myers as a character. So yeah. I just, and just seeing how, but also seeing how people Inter- misinterpret it badly, I think. And mm. they just go, they'll misinterpret it and just go, well, I would have done something completely different. I have obviously the benefit of hindsight and having grown up yeah. and watched all of these films. Absolutely. And I think you go, oh, is that what you think people like about it? Yeah. You are sorely mistaken, yeah, my friend. Yeah, Well, I think I purposely, because I, I haven't seen these now for a while. Yeah, same. So I purposely didn't watch number five before we did this podcast so I could just watch four. Because I thought, because usually we do these in pairs, I thought, I'm just going to watch number four so I can experience it as someone who would have experienced Mm. it. And I think maybe it is a little bit better for once you get number five as well, because then it's kind of, they do work together. But you have watched that, so you can tell me. (laughs) Nah, 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 nah. Five five does not like four. Okay, great. They are not friends. Great, great. Um, But then that's in itself just shows you the problems of making these really quickly and not having a plan. Mm. It's weird they also have with Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Well, as recently as Star Wars as well. Because I think definitely with Star Wars, I 100% was, because I really like Force Awakens. Force second one was fine. I, I, I had a really good time in the cinema watching a third one, right? But They are not cohesive. But that's the thing. When you start looking about it and you go, oh my God. What is I, this? I'm not too precious about this. Because even though yeah. the original is one of my favorite films of all time, yeah, I like seeing these almost for the curiosity of... A bunch of young kids are just going, can you make one of these in yeah. 12 weeks for us? Yeah. But also as well, that because it happened over this period of years, because I said that to you, looking at the dates of them, you look at the dates and you just go, for me, that is fascinating because you just... Huge gap. Like people change, like bosses will change, studio heads will change, people will go move to other studios and then other new people come in and go, what have they got? Oh, they've got Halloween. I've got an idea for Halloween, you know? And well, what's interesting, really interesting from this one onwards where we get into this weird period mm-hmm. of the films is this is when Mustafa Arkad 
has exclusive power over it. Right, okay. So yeah. he's bought out Carpenter, he's bought out Hill, see, yeah. and he's now he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He's not beholden to anyone. It's the first thing you see all the time. He loving it. That would be a really good t-shirt, you know, because I think oh, you've got the uh, a Stanley Kubrick film. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Mustafa Mr. Mr. Howard Card uh, presents. <laughs> I'll like wear that when I'm feeling yeah. rough. I mean, yeah. When I feel my best self, I'll wear the Kubrick one. <laughs> Rachel, mom, please. You'll have to watch Jamie tonight. Not tonight. I've got that date with Brady. You know how important that is. Well, tonight is very important for your father and me. What am I supposed to tell Brady? Sorry, but I've got to babysit my foster sister. Go and have fun by yourself. I think tonight Brady was ready to make a commitment. I'm sorry I ruined everything. I wasn't here. You can go out. All right, let's have a look at the mask then. Mask ranking. So we're following on from two, really. Oh, no, should we go on from three? Are they better, better or worse than that? Well, so we can go on for three, because I thought what was really interesting is the other, because you see a lot of kids' outfits in this, mm. which I think is really good. Like, I, I think the, the mask that, the costume that Jamie picks, the clown costume, is generally quite cool, but also quite sinister at the same time. But what I don't understand is, you know in that really long scene where she's looking in the shop, why aren't the Halloween 3 masks in the shop? Did they just hate it that much at that point? Were I they embarrassed? They must that. have been embarrassed by it. Because we obviously we know it appears as a little visual um, reference in Halloween 2018. Mm. I think at this point it's probably a bad taste in their mouth. Do you perhaps, think? Perhaps. Because... If I find that so strange because there's a, such a, an intense focus on so many masks in that shop. But remember, that was the real world. Yeah, that's We're true. We're now back in fictional Haddonfield world. Yeah. It's really strange, isn't it? The one thing that I thought was really odd, the kid in the full mask costume. Do you remember Mask, the cartoon? Oh, yeah. So there's a kid in a full mask official. It says mask on his T-shirt. He's got one of the mask things. like well, The kind of Transformer-y style yeah, thing. Mask. Not mask Jim Carrey mask. No, no, no. Mask, the mighty power yeah. that can save the day. Mask is the mighty power that can save the Yeah, oh, I didn't spot that. He's in a full mask uniform from the thing. Because I was, I was obsessed yeah, I with mask. What the hell is that about? That's so strange. We used to use another licensed property. A weird little licensed thing. We're back yeah. in the real world. It's so strange. Also, you know the Frankenstein mask you see at some point? I had that mask. I have pictures of me and my sister with that mask. That's so funny. cool, man. So I remember it vividly because it was yellow with like red bits on it. And I was like, why is Frankenstein yellow? doesn't matter. An original mask Halloween on. mask. Stick your mask on. Should we do the Michael mask? Bloody hell. What's going on? It's like it's too small for him. But it bubbles up. It bubbles up when he moves. The other ones, the thing I really like about Halloween, particularly Halloween one, is it feels like it's his face. It feels like it's part of him. This is not his face this at all. This is really blank, isn't it? But I, I do like the blankness of it because that is quite scary. But it's the fact that I... Every single time that he moves, I'm like, well, there's the mask rippling. So what I think's worth pointing out, even though I guess it's kind of obvious, is it is a brand new mask he has picked. Mm. It's not meant to be the original. The original no. one is presumably melted in the fire. Hopefully they're taking it off him, yeah. So this is a brand new mask. I was wondering, is this meant to be, in the world of Halloween, the newest version of the mask he got 10 years ago? Right, yeah. So it's... You know, the way that capitalism gone in 80s America. They're mm. just chucking them out. They're not even putting in the attention they used to in the 70s. Yeah. This is the new version of the white face man mask. Yeah. They're just banging them out now. 
Yeah. That's in my head. It's a crap version of the one they made 10 years ago. Yeah. And they're still riding on the success of that one. Yeah. Because oh, that's the good thing I do like about the Jamie scene where she's picking her mask is you do keep seeing it in the background of the shot. And I think that's quite a nice little touch to it. You know what doesn't make sense? <laughs> That's when he picks up the new mask. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the film, she has a vision, dream, nightmare of him wearing the new mask. Yeah. Why? How? How? Like, he hasn't got that new mask yet. No. Isn't that odd? Yeah, it's really strange. I also think the reality, and I think this is probably purposeful, when she's picking that mask and he's stalking her in the shop. Yeah. Is that real or not? Yeah. Because it feels kind of is. Because she lots of shatters like the mirror, but it's like, is no one else seeing him? But we know he is there because he grabs the mask. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird um, what is real, what is dream. Mm. Which is odd because there's another famous slasher series in the 80s doing exactly that thing. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I but think then... they kind of make it a bit odd at that sequence. Yeah. He looks like weirdly sort of like dandyish in it. Do you think? Like he looks, but he looks really gormless. It, as well, at the same time? It looks a bit more like the mass you would get a mass ball. Yeah, it really does. Or eyes wide shut. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Or I, um, Lizzie's Sans Visage. That kind yeah. of just nothing. Mm. Whereas why we like the original, and even though it was Shatner, is because it had pronounced lips and it had shades yeah. of grey. And from a distance, you could see f definition. Do you think that some of it could be to do with the way that it's shot, I guess, because of the way it's shot and the way it's lit? Because I guess it is hard to light something that is white. Definitely. Because you do then start to lose definition if you if you overexpose it. Mm. So maybe that's what they were doing. But Definitely in that nightmare sequence at the beginning. Mm. I just don't think there's much texture to it. No. It's quite smooth. Why? Um, also, <laughs> feels like they had an awkward bit of production with it because the scenes in the school, he's got blonde hair. Oh my God, that is so weird. And they've obviously decided against that during production and trimmed around those scenes as much as possible to minimize yeah. it. But the bit where he's attacked by the fire extinguisher, yeah. he just has blonde hair. It's really strange, that is. It's so embarrassing that obviously they didn't have time or What's money to on? reshoot it, but it's just a different mask with different hair. I guess like that's the really interesting thing about the first one is the first one they were like right we need to make a mask you're just a shatner mask we're gonna uh, paint it white and that works right because yeah. it's meant to be a mask whereas this has been created from scratch i think and they've gone for a film and it's just crap because they've gone right what do we what do we needed to do i almost thought they kind of misunderstand yeah. what people liked about the original mask is it for me and we talked about it in the first episode of this podcast was it looks like it could be someone's face mm. because it has so much definition on it whereas this that's man, that man's wearing a mask. Because maybe they thought they needed to do a lot because it's been away for 10 years and the third one was a misstep. In a in a better world where it gone straight three was Michael. Imagine him having a different mask for every film. Yeah. Because he's coming back every Halloween. He just grabs a new mask. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Or what I thought when he was in the gas station of this, yeah. reminding me a bit of Friday the 13th part two when he has the sack. Yeah. Because in this he has the bandages. Yeah, so he yeah. almost has a mask. It yeah. could have just kept the bandages on for the whole film. Absolutely, yeah. And you could have had a bit of difference. But I guess they've decided Michael Myers is that white mask. And because they've done that in now a third film, Forevermore, yeah. that's what he is. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, I think this is remarkably crap. 
and we've got some doozies ahead as well yeah that's why i'm that's why i'm really excited about so it definitely so. definitely worse yeah so so far the ranking is one two three yeah but you know what i mean one best two second best four yeah oh fucking hell <laughs> but but we yeah, really like one the two three four is literally that yeah, yeah. I put yeah, I put pumpkin above this. But you put pumpkins above Halloween too? No, 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 no. Okay, so we've got one, two, three, four. One, two, three, easy. four. Easy. Easy to remember. I mean, you know, I kind of struggled with that. It was the nightmare man. What? He's coming to get me, Rachel. You're okay. You probably saw a mask and it scared you. The thing I have a really big issue with in this one is there's little bits of scenes where you see him getting into position. There's a bit where they're out trick-or-treating. And the camera in the first one, Michael's there, cuts yeah. away, he moves, he's there, he disappears. There's bits in this where you see him just like awkwardly getting place behind a shed. Yeah, and you're like, idea. it kind of takes away some of the supernatural presence of Michael Myers. Yeah. If I can see him hurriedly go, oh, I've got to get my skirt ready. Yeah. He should just be there. He should be omnipresent. And I feel... I'm absolutely fine with him driving around and stuff. And that comes back a lot in this one. He doesn't yeah. teleport across town. He hitches a ride in a cop car. Yeah. I'm happy with all that stuff. It's just weird to see him the way he moves sometimes. Mm. For me, he is doing a good impression of Michael Myers. But I think he must be given bad direction or something where they just go, you're doing it without any emotion. And he does do it without any emotion, but in a bad way, if you know what I mean. Definitely than the first film. He has no emotion, but he has a presence a and, he, and he has a purpose. Whereas this, I just he just feels like he has no purpose. And like, you know, when he's like, he's like swinging on the rooftop is the worst bit. He's just swinging aimlessly. It's I don't even think you awesome. thought you would even connect any of them. You know, we made the joke in the first episode. It's, like, it's the confidence you only get with being pure evil. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he has the confidence anymore of being no pure confidence. evil. confidence. He has been in a coma for 10 years. It's yeah. not his confidence. But you're right, the way he swings, like Michael Myers isn't panicking. No. That he's not connect landing his <laughs> no. his shots. I just think I just think he just looks completely gormless and just aimless with it. Whereas we talked about, you know, in the first one, we love it so much because like he walks with a purpose and he walks with a confidence all the time. And in this, he just doesn't have that at all. There's no in the first film, I think he's very graceful mm. and he's very elegant, even though he's menacing. Yeah. Whereas in this when he kills the guy at the power station. Yeah. He just throws him onto it like he's the Incredible Hulk from the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it just feels completely out of place to me. Whereas when he lifts Bob up and mm. pins him against the wall, I know how strong he is. Yeah. I don't need him to throw him across the room like he's a cartoon villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I think, so some of that I think isn't helped by the way he's been directed no. and the way that they stage some of this stuff. Yeah. Definitely as well, but I think uh, there's a couple of kills, but one in particular is the shotgun kill, where he puts a shotgun through him to like pick him up. It doesn't feel strong. It feels like, oh, someone's off screen. He's stepping up into a box or someone's raising him up or something like that. Like It doesn't feel like that Michael is doing it because his movements are so flimsy. Mm. You're like, there's no way he's fucking I've seen him do a little like scalpel. Yeah. Uh, it's not great, is it? It's not great at all. Move him. Okay, what do you think is the stupidest decision in this film? I've got one that's nailed on, surely. Go on. Transferring Michael Myers the day before Halloween. Do it. And in front of him, <laughs> telling him he has a new niece. Pick any other day. Did Hoffman say anything about living relatives? Yeah, a niece living in his hometown. 
a bit at the beginning. There's a lot of big characters straight off the bat. Like, it's a funny sequence. I'm glad we're getting on to talking about this specifically. Yeah. The two doctors, the security guard. The security guard is so there's, funny. There's so much stuff going on. Welcome to hell, <laughs> he says. Even though it's a few years before it, it's like a parody version of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Yeah, this is where society dumps its worst nightmares. Yeah, the one you're picking up, just thinking about him, he gives me the willies. Yeah, I'll be glad to see this one gone. Yes, indeedy. Welcome to hell. But also, again, this is a really interesting thing. They're like, yeah, this guy is awful. He's disgusting. Like, you, you, you can't take your eye off him for a second. He's just in a general ward with about eight other people just lying down. What are you doing? Why? Are you D taking his blood pressure? They're like, don't worry. He's out cold. Oh, come on, lads. Jesus Christ. Why have we got to go through this every single time? Security guard in the left. He goes, oh, Jesus ain't got nothing to do with this place. Yeah. He's really having it up. But also, he has to do all the exposition of him surviving. Yeah, yeah. Poor guy. That's a, that's a good, stupid decision, to be fair. But also, as well, they even say that. They just go, why isn't Loomis here, by the way? Well, he almost seems like he's knocking it, not really coming in anymore. I, I mean, he's, he's taking the four hours down. Well, you definitely... Zero hours. Yeah, you definitely... He's got zero-hour contract. <laughs> Sam Lewis got zero-hour contract. Working for Sports Direct. Well, that's the thing, though. You still ring up and you just go, um, what's, uh, what's Michael up to this week? Just check in. He's not going anywhere because it's the week before Halloween. Oh, we'd actually think about moving him on Saturday night. What the... F no, absolutely not. No. Move him next week. The day before Halloween. No, not doing that. Move him Christmas. I've put it in a stupid decision because also... Unless they tell him that he has a new niece yeah. in front of him. You can't find it, out. But is that literally what brings him out of the coma? I think it is, yeah. Because prior to that, maybe he knows that he can feel that Laurie's dead. I don't know. But that definitely seems to be the thing that brings him back to life. 100%. What are they doing? I know. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for that. Yeah, it's re I, that's a really stupid decision. I, I've got a good one. Why is Kelly answering the door trick-or-treaters when Brady's inside? That's bonkers. Should be busy. And then when she sees that it's Rachel, Rachel outside, outside, she yeah. doesn't just fucking shut the door. Go, oh, sorry, I'm going to candy. <laughs> shut the door. Because Brady is coming down. Just leave me alone and let's forget it. No, you don't understand. I mean, you blow off for a date at the last minute. So you hop on to the next best thing? I thought you were different from other guys. Oh, I'm different. It's just, it's just that I just, I just got pissed off. It's all. Oh, really? Well, I'll just let you get back to Little Miss Hot Panties. It's Rachel. Jamie. I, yeah, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think that's a really stupid decision. You're going to get caught, though. Another stupid decision, in retrospect, is Kelly's T-shirt. Cops oh God, do it yeah. by the book. I know. That's an age well, is it? <laughs> Probably got it from her dad. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. He's got it there. <laughs> what, do these, what does the dad say to him? He says it's like, it's like mad line. Let's put the clip in. Well, yeah. Catch you rope my daughter. I use that shotgun on you. You understand? <laughs> It's just, well, that's a scene that has another stupid decision in that I didn't put in, but it's, it follows right before that. Mm. Is he comes back, knows Michael's coming for the house, coming for Rachel and Jamie. Yeah. Gives, he goes, Yeah, you want to tell me what's happening? Yeah, when I have time. You can... Take these. Okay, you got a hammer and roofing nails, and I want you up in the attic, securing it so nobody can get in. You know, something's happening. I should just go ahead and call my parents. Just get up in the attic. Doesn't tell him what's happening. He, he yeah, literally doesn't true. tell him what even the threat what's, what's is. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Not even the barest terms. Like, there's a guy in a white mask that's coming to kill us all. 
Here's a here's a here's a shotgun. Don't touch my daughter's tits. <laughs> he says, here's a toolbox. Go to the attic. Barricade yourself in. What? Tell you have to tell me what it is. Is it spiders? <laughs> You're like, I promise I won't touch. I won't. <laughs> I, I won't like grope your daughter. <laughs> I would like to know what's going on. He's like, are you gonna lock me in the attic forever? <laughs> <laughs> Just because I kiss your daughter. That's a super decision. What else you got? I don't think I've got anything better than transferring Michael Myers. No, I think I, I think that's the one that's going to get it for me. Even though for me, I'm I'm purely thinking about Kelly getting a shag out of it, and I feel like that's going to taint the evening somewhat. Do you know what today is? Do you know the date? Every day I look at myself in the mirror, and, and every day I remember. Look at me, Hoffman. Take a good look. I don't want anyone to have to live through that night again. Rachel is with Brady, right? Are they going out or? Seems like they're very close. And when she's told by her mum and dad that she has to babysit, I think yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be maybe the night that they right. do it. Well, she says like, he's ready to make a solid commitment. It's like, are you 14? Are you, I thought you were 14 years old. What the fuck is yeah, going on? I wonder how old they are. Well, yeah, I mean, Brady is about 40 in this. So. How old's Tommy Doyle in the first film? Oh, that's a good question. Six or seven? Yeah. So this put them 17 because you know in the drugstore, one of the boys he's talking to is Tommy Doyle. No. Is it? It's just, they confirmed it years later. Apparently one of his mates is Tommy Doyle. They don't make a thing about it at all. The mate who tries to get off with Kelly? No, the other one, the blonde hearse, the one that doesn't have the active role in that scene, the one that's just stood there. Well, he's just Tommy. Apparently that's Tommy Doyle. Let's use him. Yeah. So (laughs) that would make them about 16, 17? Right, okay. If they're peers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Fuck off, Wade. Okay, what's the scariest moment? I mean, my one, we've, we kind of touched on I think the intro. The intro is the scariest moment. Yeah, it's the most haunting. I think it, it, it's... Stillness me, to it. Reminds me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning of that. Mm. It has that stillness to it and that quality that you get a lot in the original Halloween mm. of just being in those streets and inhabiting that space. Yeah. That they said, like the director was just obsessed with. He started reading into a lot of like the back story of like Halloween and Harvest Festival and things like that. So all those things are real things that are used in Harvest Festival. So you get that like mad sculpture that has all the hands on it, but it's all like gloves. I don't know what that's doing. Yeah, wheat and shit. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> he yeah. said he, he read into it. He basically went, "What is it? Farm, scythe, pumpkin." Got it. Got I did. It. Um, so Dwight Little. I, I drove from New York to Canada around Halloween a few years ago when we were allowed to travel and stuff like that. And we stopped off at a load of pumpkin places, like pumpkin farms and patches and stuff, because obviously it's really, really big. There is a really eeriness to it when you go to like this big farm and it's empty and it's just mm. like, I got a photo of just like hundreds of pumpkins and different types of It's a really striking image, isn't yeah. it? Seeing them all grown because they're quite odd looking things. Yeah. There's a really great Charles Adams of the Adams Family creator, done mm. a really great picture. It's a big pumpkin patch, all these pumpkins, and the one in the foreground is carving itself from the inside. Ooh. It's a really cool picture. That's cool. Um, scariest moment. I really like the ambulance waiting for Jamie at the beginning. She's looking out of the window, and oh, the ambulance yeah. has crossed the street. So he's tracked her down, which is, is he like a great white shark? He can just sense where she lives. Yeah. But it's kind of like Michael waiting for Laurie outside the school. Yeah. Rachel comes down, she turns around, she looks back, the ambulance is gone. Yeah. That's scary to that me. That is scary, yeah. Because that reminds yeah. me of the original. I also quite like, maybe it's not scary, but I like definitely like the image of Michael with the bandages in the diner. 
oh, seen from great, a distance because yeah. they do the Jaws contra zoom mm. shot. That's a really cool image. Yeah. Because similar to the first film, you don't really know he's got bandage. Well, I guess you've seen him kill, but the bandages from a distance look odd. Yeah. Because I was just like, oh, has he got a mask now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't quite interpret it correctly. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I think, yeah, that, those are like the most unsettling ones. I think the one that I, I did generally jump, I have a jump scare, was the first kill in the ambulance. Oh, yeah. Um, that really got me that day. Like, I was sitting downstairs. And then I had to shut all the doors uh, to be able to watch the rest of it. Because really? we, have, we have two doors, one door to the kitchen and you can't see anything. If the lights are off, you, you can just see dark and I'm, I would have seen Michael Myers in there. And then the other one is the door to the passageway. So I had to close both, I had to close both those doors. So Michael up, couldn't get so, in. Yeah, so Michael can get in, yeah, so I could watch the rest of the film. So that, yeah, the ambulance one fucked me up, to be fair. So this day down, Jim? No, I still don't understand. How many killings? He's off. He's off the chain on this one. How many killings? Big increase. Got eighteen kills. Seventeen are mics. One is down to vigilantes. Eight are off screen though. Yeah, we talked about this a lot when we went to see Halloween 2018. Is a lot of the best kills are off screen. He sets up these like really strange tableaus, where it's like, which is what he does for Laurie in the first film. Exactly. But we are privy yeah. to some of it. We're not privy to him rearranging them. To be no, fair, no, no, no. I kind of enjoy that. I think once I once I get my head around it, because. There's two ways of doing it. Either that you're a little bit upset that you didn't actually see it happen, but there's no possible way that you could because of effects and things like that. So once you get your head around that, you go, okay, do you know what? I'm actually just going to go along with this and I'm looking forward to seeing what madness Michael has created. I wonder if there's a slight pragmatic dimension to it where it allows you to have a greater body count yeah, without risking getting the X certification. That's true, yeah. Because yeah. I know, I don't know which one it is. I think it might be Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Right. Those Nightmare films are way more gory than these films. But you know what they did with Five? They shot additional gore that they never wanted to use in the film. Right. So when the censors went, can you remove that, remove that, remove that? They were like, yeah, yeah, no problem. That's awesome. And they got away with having more in the final film because they thought they, they were the bending over for them. And I think what they're doing with having all these off-screen deaths is having that greater body count without risking the ex certification, which would be just death at the box office. That's a really good idea. I've always told you like for years when I worked in like proper telly that we used to put purpose mistakes in there for this particularly- Same one, principle, isn't it like, really? Crotchety exec who she always had to find something wrong with the show, even if it wasn't. So we put a really, really bad mistake right at the top of the show. Pretend we didn't see it. She would spot it. We go, oh, nice spot, mate. Oh my God. Imagine How'd you that, see that? Imagine that gone out. Imagine that gone out. And she was like, yeah, and then like she would shut up for the rest of the 26 minutes of the show then. Same thing with the BBFC. Exactly, yeah. The stupidest one we ever put in though was we put in a shot. There's a part of a baseball field in America called the Big Green Monster. And when my voiceover says Big Green Monster, uh, my editor friend Liam, uh, he put a, a flash frame of the, Incredible, of the Incredible Hulk. And she was like, what was that? We were like, what, what do you mean? She was like, oh, scroll it back. Oh, wow, we put the Incredible Hulk in there. She didn't get it, it was a joke or anything. And we were like, oh, you better take that out, mate. Oh, good spot, mate. Good spot. Glad you saw that. And she was like, this is, this is what we're dealing with. Really good. What's your favorite kill? I've got mine. I'm pretty sure what mine is. I think it's the shotgun on Kelly. Yeah. It's my favorite kill. It's so good. But why didn't he do the head tilt at the end? But I think what I like about that kill more than impaling it with a shotgun in mm. the midriff mm. is 
You know, we said Sam Loomis isn't much of a laugh. Mm. You know what I've convinced that Michael Myers is a laugh. He's an absolute laugh. Sitting he, in that little chair. <clears throat> pretending to be the deputy sheriff yeah. and then just waiting. And then the music cue when he turns around, I'm like, this is good. He's yeah. funny. He enjoys, he really gets into Halloween. Yeah, yeah. If something can be said of Michael Myers, is he really gets into Halloween as a concept? Well, this that this will come back into when we're talking about later on though. But yeah, I think that is really good. But... The, the camera lingers on him and I'm like, yeah. he's going to do the head tilt. He's going to do the head tilt. He's going to do the head tilt. He doesn't fucking do the head tilt. Yeah. What the hell, man? I wanted it. That's what you do is it's threading that line. Give me the head tilt. Well, this is what I'm saying. This is what you're saying earlier where people are misinterpreting what people like about those films. Where's the head tilt? Give him the head tilt. They're like, oh, is the mask. He's all about the mask. No, he's not about all about Some the of mask. it's about the head tilt. Sometimes. Some of it's about it's the head tilt. It's a bit tilt. both, isn't it? Um, yeah, that's definitely the best kill, I think. Something else I want to just say about some of his kills in these. Mm. Good tactical kills. Yeah. Because he's killing people. Like He takes out the power guy because he wants to black out the town. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. He knows what he's doing that's with a good these idea. kills. He's not, they're not just senseless killing. Mm. And they're not just people that are in his way. He's almost got a plan in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think Jay Black in the uh, ambulance is a good kill as well. Like the Thumb. very first one, the yeah. thumbs in the face. He does a lot of that. He does a lot of just squeezing people's skulls. And that's interesting. That's the first one because it's almost a statement of a tenant going, oh, he's back. Yeah. But he's going to be doing some of this. And he's really strong. <laughs> like he's been asleep for ages. He's, <laughs> he's been, rested. He's rested up. Yeah. Shotgun on Kelly is 100%, even without the head tilt. Wish they'd fix the power. At least we'd have some MTV while we wait for the cavalry. So where's Loomis's head at in this? I mean, Hoffman says to him, I've said this before. I think you're the one who needs mental help. Yeah. <laughs> not great, is it? Maybe, yeah, he's not in a position to diagnose himself. I think, obviously, he's gone through a severe accident that should have killed him. Yeah, that yeah. did kill him once upon a time. What's the last 10 years of his life been? Mm. Do you know what, though? I, I was trying to take a mental note of this. He does not help a single situation that he's in. He he's, makes it so much worse. In these later films, I think he looks exemplary in Halloween 1. Just yeah. staying put, waiting for him. This, he is pouring gasoline on everything. Oh, I don't yeah. know why he takes it to the school, for instance. Yeah. He loves his gun again. He's getting that out. He's shooting Different locks Different gun off. as well. It's like yeah. semi-automatic this time. Yeah, he doesn't help things at all. He's Also, he's... He's just screaming at people a lot. And I know we said that he did that a lot in previous films. In the previous ones, he looks really reasoned now. Yeah. And calm. What's that scene with him getting shit-faced in the van with the Reverend? Uh, it, What's it, going on there? It's almost like a little rice Smiley has after doing yeah. the Lonnie thing. After doing the Lonnie thing, yeah. He's so happy with but himself. It's weird that he almost takes comfort from someone who has a similar worldview to him, but yeah. obviously the film sets that person up as quite a crazed individual, or at least on the, the skirts of society. Absolutely, yeah. That's like a true. fringe member. That's a weird scene, just before he gets picked up in the van. Those like cheerleaders. Oh, I fucking laughed my box off of that. I thought it was hilarious. That really reminds me of the last scene in Dumb and Dumber, when the bus of um, 
Oh the yeah, girls yeah, yeah. Go, Hey, do you want to get in, Loomis? And he goes, yeah. Nah, nah, nah. I don't, I'm busy. I love that because they just fucking absolutely done him. So he can't get it's in such the a car. funny little I love that. detail to put in. I thought that was so funny, but it shows, I guess, like he's really having a hard time getting a Haddonfield. But some of it, yeah, that's the it's like planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. <laughs> he's on a vibrating bed. Yeah. What is also not as good in this is I really like his monologues in the previous films. I mean, mm. the ones in the first film is iconic yeah. and he delivers it well. In this one, he just says, We are talking about evil on two legs. That's not good. Not even trying, is he? No, no that's not good. He's really time. let down by the script in this, evil on two legs. Out of everything, I really do like how Dr. Hoffman just shows him up the entire time because he just second guesses him constantly, belittles him, puts him down, being like, don't fucking trust a word this guy says. Do you know who plays that guy? This is interesting. He plays, is the same guy who plays Ivan Drago's coach in Rocky IV. Oh, wow. Um, who just like, when you watch that film back, it's just saying gibberish instead of Russia. Oh, instead of, yeah, he's meant to be Russian. That's what it? Russian yeah. was in the 80s. Yeah, he's just literally just gibberish he's talking. But in this, like, he's got a really good face, I think. He's quite menacing in his own right. Absolutely, yeah. I think at the beginning, you're almost, am I meant to trust this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have been surprised if he wanted Michael to get out. Mm. In a similar way that we get in one of the later Halloween films, you go, does he want to see what Michael can do? Because he's quite arch in his performance. Yeah. I like Loomis is, is obviously great having him around, but it's, it's just, you want someone confident. You and do. he is completely incompetent and just, just crazed. He's a crazed individual. So what you're dealing with is two bonkers people go into this town. The sheriff is like, I don't fucking know who to lock up first. The guy in the mask or the guy with half-melted face who just won't stop screaming. He has lost all credibility. And I think this mm. is exposed no more than what happens at the end. And we're going to get onto the specifics of the ending in a minute. Yeah. But after the attack of Michael and stuff, they take Jamie home to her step family home. Yeah. This is the line he says. These kids aren't likely to forget. They've survived this ordeal. They'll survive its memory. You're a fucking psychiatrist. Yeah. You know about the power of traumatic memories. <laughs> yeah. He's basically undermined his entire profession. He's gone, you can live through the experience, you'll be fine. Do you know what psychiatry tackles? The persistence of trauma through memory. Well, this is what we said in Jesus the first Jesus Christ, Sam. When he says, I couldn't reach him. He's like, has anyone actually checked what he was actually doing, though? He's lived through the murder, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, it'll be fine. One thing I do like that he does is kind of encourages the mob a little bit. Oh, yes. And then the, 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 the sheriff is like, what the fuck are you doing? I love and he's that. like, you haven't got a police force, mate. Let him go. Yeah. Well, that's not good, is it? It works out well. It, yeah, it goes mad. Right. The, the, he just slaughters everyone in that police station off camera. Yeah. I wonder, in my head, I would like to see that scene, but as like an action sequence. <laughs> yeah. A bit like Colin Firth in Kingsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be really good, wouldn't it? When the police catch up and they start shooting him, he looks like he's blowing up. He looks like <laughs> chunks of him are blowing up. The bit where she runs him over the car, there's that shot of him. He's got no neck. Yeah. It it, it looks like a big toy. It's, yeah, it's all really strange. Well, let's talk about Rachel then. Because, right, some bits, she's really got on my nerves. Other times, I was like, she's actually pretty on the ball. Like, all that stuff where she's climbing out on the roof and stuff like that, like, that actually goes pretty well for her. Yeah, she's pretty capable. She's definitely the inheritor of Laurie's mantle. I think they've gone, if the series is going to continue, we need, we're yeah. not getting Jamie Lee Curtis back. No. Let's do this with Rachel. Yeah. So she's in that mold, but she's a bit more kind of, she's less prudish. Like she wants to go hang out with Brady. Yeah, yeah. I think she is really good. And they definitely, apart from that scene where she's horrible to Jamie <laughs> at the beginning, so you know, I'm not your it, it doesn't make any sense, yeah. 
She is a really positive force in the film. Yeah, I like when she chucks coffee over Kelly as well, because, I mean, that is boiling hot coffee, so yeah. that's going to really hurt. So. <laughs> and, and her dad is the sheriff. And they're in their house, so. <laughs> <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, but I'd like all the stuff she was doing, if you listen back to those bits in the um, on the roof, particularly, she's like, Jamie, shut the fuck up. Just do exactly what I say, mm. and you will live. And it's like this is this is what we need. This is what exactly what Laurie does to Tommy. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just do what I say. Yeah, because there's kids, and he's like, you can't. I'm the. You I, can't this, be a kid yeah. now. You've got to be. You've got to be grown up for the two of us now. Well, let's talk about Jamie then. Oh, my awesome thing that I found out about Jamie. It was almost Melissa Joan Hart. Oh God, can you imagine, imagine that? It was almost Clarissa explains it all, or being, Sabrina Teenage Witch. Being hunted by Ferguson. Ages. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That'd have been good. Very distracting now, but... Well, that's the thing. None of these people really went on to do anything of note. No. So it's kind of interesting watching back if it was someone you knew. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, I actually thought, like, there's a bit, right, where where Jamie's, like, calming herself down outside the school, and she's like... Whoo. I was like, this feels like an adult acting. That was good. Well, I, was gonna, I, I think she's genuinely a good actress. Yeah, she's yeah. She's a really good child performer. mm and she has to do a lot of quite wild stuff in these films. And they I think she's genuinely very good. Well, that's the thing. They basically make her Laurie, but really young. Yeah. So she has to act like Laurie. And I think she really does a good job of doing that, like particularly in that school scene. But she has to act like them. That's what she has to do. But she's really, really young. She's so young in this. And then, I mean, we just get to it now. Yeah. The big twist of this film. I fucking love this. This is genuinely brilliant, I think. Yeah. And it's such a good moment. Imagine how this would have played in cinemas as mm. well. So when Michael dies, she touches his hand as he is dying. Yeah. And, you know, we can speculate on that in a minute about what happened. Mm. But she goes home, she goes back to her STEM family's home and she kills her stepmother in the clown costume that is very redolent of the costume Michael wears at the beginning of the first film. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's a great twist. And that shot as well... That is, because the shot, I watched it again just to have a look at it. The shot of Michael at the end, of the, at the beginning of Halloween 1, where they find him, he looks, my reading of it, he looks shocked with what he's mm. done. It like, And he's like, as if like something has taken over him momentarily yeah. and he's just reacting from that, right? Jamie, that's a really menacing shot. She even raises the knife again as it's like, I'm fucking, I'm not momentarily shocked, actually. I know exactly what I was doing. To follow, Horrible. talk about the, like the metaphysics of what you just said. Mm. What if it's the force that is in Michael that inhabited him first time when he was a child? Mm. It's learned because it's killed a lot since then. That is now what it's in Jamie. It's yeah. not she's not shot anymore, or no. it's in total possession of her in that moment. Yeah, that's true. That's um, one way you could speculate about it. Yeah, I guess the other way you could speculate is it, is it a poison bloodline? Yeah, is this something about this family that some of them this happens to some of them in it? Because she is a direct blood relative of Michael. Yeah. And I think the film doesn't 
purposefully go either way to give itself no. options going forward. I, yeah, I kind of like but that. But they definitely shoot her touching his hand. So if we want, we can make a thing of that. The evil has come into her. <laughs> but um, it's it's such a good twist. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And yeah, the way Loomis handles it is fucking brilliant because he goes to shoot her. And I think that's, and then the, the sheriff stops <laughs> Which is him. probably from not a that, bad yeah. idea. You got some explaining to do after that, though, haven't you? Because, I mean, because you, you, you could take, explain you're it. Away. Him, you go in prison for it. Because you just go, look, this little girl's been through a really traumatic experience. It's not surprising that she's acted out in this way. Like, she's that's had a psychotic what, break. You know, she's at, that's what's happened. You can't shoot at her in the head. <laughs> Come on, mate. But also, put yourself in Loomis's head. Yeah. It's happened again. No, he's like, for fuck's sake. But also, it's a real failing on his behalf because he's been so fixated on Michael. Yeah. He's not looks at the little girl. He's literally just said, they survived this ordeal. They survive its memory. What yeah. she do? She immediately goes upstairs and kills her. I'll mom. show you. Except, <laughs> like, you couldn't be more off base professionally. Yeah, you really caught that up, mate. That's okay. a lawsuit. Yeah. That's gross negligence by Loomis again. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I, like, that's the thing, though. When that happened, I was like, that is genuinely good, I think. And it's shocking. It's a horrible little uh, shot. And I can't remember what happens in the next one now. So I'm, I'm really excited. It's the scariest moment. It's pretty scary. Because it's noisy as well. Noisy always scares me, where it's just like there's a lot of stress happening. I feel stressed by noise. <laughs> <laughs> and there's lots of that happening at the end. Like Loomis is shouting. The music has gone bonkers. Lots of stuff's going on. Would have been good if he shot it, though. And then he gets locked up. And then they're trying to move him in the next film. And then the next film, they go, ah, she didn't actually die. Yeah, yeah. She's got a bullet in her head now. She's got a bullet lodged but in her all the time. is she like Michael? Her... Can she not be killed? Who knows? But then in this, Michael has died because he's been shot loads. I don't know. Well, I don't even know. Because, like, that's the thing, though. Loomis says loads. Oh, guns can't, like, guns. I shot him six times. Nothing happened. They throw dynamite in on him. <sighs> For God's sake. Police officer just gets a stick of dynamite yeah. and chucks it in. But well. that's, that's the thing with, with him. Just But then he just goes, he goes, Michael Myers is in hell now. And he's like, go with him all the way. Let's chop him up. Yeah. Let's bury his Let's arms and his it. legs yeah. in different parts. Because previously you told me that there's no place in hell for Michael Myers. So yeah. what is it, Sam? <laughs> yeah, come on, We've man. talked about this with these sequels. It's like that game used to do as kids where you draw the head, yeah, you fold it over, yeah. I'll draw the midriff. And I think they don't know who they're passing the baton on to no. here. So we'll just give you options. Yeah. If you want Michael alive, sure, he can come back if you want. We've already brought him back from an explosion. Yeah. They're like, that's for the future. If you want Jamie to be the new killer, knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> you let them take it out of here. For Christ's sake, spare me the speech. I've listened to it for a decade. The fact is that Michael Myers was a federal patient and a federal prisoner. Therefore, he is subject to federal law. We're not talking about any ordinary prisoner, Hoffman. We are talking about evil on two legs. <laughs> I can see this is useless. Well, let's talk about Michael's motivations then. He is basically wiping out that bloodline or is obsessed with that bloodline or... That seems where we're being led now. Yeah. Because we speculated earlier, that's why he wakes up out of semi coma. Yeah. Is the motivation in this though to pass the evil along? Who knows? Like he's got to fight because he does. He like does feel like he could have killed her. Yeah, a lot, e a lot easier and quicker. And, and he doesn't we've really. We've always said this as well. It's like he does seem to have a mission or something driving him with an objective because he's mm. not just killing everyone and anyone. No, because he'd kill everyone in the sanatorium at the beginning. Yeah, he'd just kill everyone constantly. Whereas in this, he seemingly has a plan. 
apparently that's why, you know, when he leaves the gas station, mm. screenwriter says he takes down the phone lines intentionally to wipe out the phones in Haddonfield. Right. He wipes out the power. So he's almost a hunter in this yeah, film because yeah. he's trying to track down Jamie. And then that's the question you just said. Is it because he wants to kill her? Yeah. Or the force that in him wants a newer host, mm. a younger host, a more innocent one? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. It's definitely all in play, all those possibilities. Yeah, I think, and that's what makes this film richer than you give it credit for as well, because you just go, oh, there's actually more going on here than just a man is going after babysitters. Mm, and I think this is the last point where it still remains relatively ambiguous, maybe what's what that is. Yeah. Like, is he still human? Is he not? It's still a little bit ambiguous in this one. Yeah, it is really ambiguous as well, because you think, in a, in a, and to be fair to it, to, to its credit, in a shitter film, when she touches his hand, there'd be a fucking little ghost animation yeah. or something like that coming from it. Do you know what I mean? And go, ooh, there it is. Or like some, but ooh. what we get is just like a lingering shot, which you can take wherever you want from it then, whether or not this evil can pass or she through. Just, yeah, or she's touching the dying hand of her uncle, who's a bit eccentric. Exactly, yeah. But she, you know, because she, you know, Unky Mike. as we know from the start, she really longs for like a family, family. presence. And, you know, fuck, she's not getting it from really Rachel. She's point. not getting it from Rachel, is she? I, oh, Uncle Mike. Am I like your real niece? Yes, yeah, you are. 100%, I love yeah, you. Yeah. You know what? You're you're right off the old block. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the thing, isn't it? We know that she. That's what she's craving. Yeah, because she's yeah. definitely not getting her home, yeah. so she's gone to him. You know what, Jamie? I see a lot of myself in you. <laughs> you know, you're a knife. Talking about whether or not Michael Myers is a pure evil, though, right? I know you talked about it and you said that you really liked it. I don't think pure evil is playing pranks. He's doing it in the first film. He's doing a little prank, sitting in his rocking chair as the thing. The, de I, the devil is the greatest trickster the world has ever known. But that's what I'm saying. I, is I, the devil pure evil? I don't, I don't think that he's pure evil because he's fucking about in a rocking chair. Is he supernatural though? That's what, that's what I'm, I'm reading pure evil as. Is pure like, e is in pure evil, it's like, Ed Gein is not pure evil. No. Pure evil is like, there's something within him that is supernatural. So is he pure evil? No, he's not. Definitely. <laughs> On the next episode, we discover that even pure evil can have a soft side in Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. The Definitive Companion is made by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about things we love, including manifestations of pure evil. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.